turn to Philippians, the third chapter, and we're going to get started here. And um, how many of you know we're not moved by things in life, but God and His Word should be the thing that moves us, His Spirit. So Philippians, the third chapter, I'm going to begin reading here in the seventh and eighth verse, and it says this, it says, and this is Paul writing here, he said, but what things were gain to me? What things were gained to me? In other words, what things were an advantage, what things he liked, the things he had. He he had stuff, he had achieved things, he had uh, ascribed to certain things, believed certain things, acted a certain way. He said, what things were gained to me or a part of my life? Uh, He said, these I have counted loss for Christ. In other words, it doesn't matter what it was. If anything was gain, he said, I got rid of it or substituted it, got it out for Christ. He said, notice verse 8. He said, yet indeed I count all things loss or literally rubbish for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish that I may gain Christ or really know him because he was saved, but there was something about him and his life about going further and knowing Christ better. And it became his pursuit to the degree, he said, I count everything as loss, everything is rubbish, that I might gain that. Notice that phrase in verse 8, the excellence. King James says the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. He wanted and he talked about this excellence or excellency. And I looked up the word because it just seems to be such an emphasis on what he's talking about, this knowledge of Christ. And it wasn't just gaining information about him. It was really about him knowing him personally and the way he got to know him was through the knowledge of him. And what knowledge? We'll talk about that. But the word excellency literally means, or excellence, to have or hold over one, to stand out. So this knowledge that he's talking about is something that stands out. It literally means to rise above or to be above or to be superior in rank, authority, and power. Is there a knowledge about Jesus that is superior in rank, authority, and knowledge? That's huge. Because if there is a a, a knowledge about Jesus that is superior in rank, authority, and knowledge, and literally means above all, then we need to find it. Is there a superior knowledge? or a way of getting this superior knowledge to know Him correctly. Boy, out of all days to live on the earth, we're living closer and closer to the end of all time, and we need a correct knowledge or knowing of Him. As, I mean, we do. I remember when I worked in construction and I was a superintendent, and... Uh, some rumors started going around, 
how that, and, uh, that I was making people who weren't working hard run around the building. Like if they weren't working hard, and I'm talking big, big commercial buildings. And uh, when this happened, there was the headquarters for Fluid Master, the one that make all the flush parts for the toilet and stuff under the sink. Their headquarters is big. Inside the manufacturing building, and there's more than one building there, were 200 and I think 12 or 14, 212 or 14,000 square feet just of offices that are on an L. So you're talking a big building. And so this rumor started that if you don't work hard, and I'm like the boss guy, that he'll make you run around the building. So somehow it got back to me, and one of the guys was kind of, he had worked with me before, and he said, so what's this, you know? I'm like, What's what? You know, well, you're making people run around the building if they're not working hard. I said, you know me personally in the sense you've worked with me for years. What is one of the big things I want to do? I, I want to make money for the company. I want to make a profit. So if you just take that information, would I on company time make somebody run around the building? I said, well, no, because then they wouldn't be doing work. I said, exactly. I said, oh, I did at first think that that couldn't have been true. I would want them to do this, you know. And, and what had happened was it got so twisted, people think I was doing this stuff, and I thought that would be foolish. But how things can get twisted, what happened was some apprentices came to me knowing I, who I was at the company, and said, what can we do to really move ahead and get ahead? I said, well, to be honest with you, when you're at that place, you don't mu know much. So if you want, I said, you don't have to do this. I said, run places, get stuff, jog, pick up the pace, because then it gives you more time to do the job when you're back there. Didn't tell him to run. I said, when I was an apprentice, I did that. Like if I had to go get some stuff, I would jog to the construction trailer or whatever. Because then my slow work is compensated while I'm learning by the running time. I have more time to do it so I can get the work done in the same, so to speak, time as this other person because I'm not... You know what I mean? In other words, it's giving me more time, so it seems like I'm doing the same amount of work. So I said, if you want, you can do that. I, I did that. I wasn't demanding it, telling it. They asked me. Now I'm making people run around the building if you don't work hard. And I said, but you know my character. You know how I am. You know I would never require that because it would eat into the profit. Yeah, yeah, you're right. How many wrong ideas do people have because they don't have a superior knowledge about something, and so it just changes their viewpoint, and in this case, really, about the Lord? How do we get this superior knowledge? Where do we get it? Notice this. Turn to John 5. 
And you'll start to see something real quick and real clear. This is Jesus here talking. John 5, verse 39. And uh, he was talking to these religious people, people who claimed to know what was right, claimed to know certain things, were striving to walk with God on their terms and their way, and, you know, they're, they're, they're going after it. Jesus makes some interesting statements here that, to me, are profound and really should make us each individually evaluate how we're knowing stuff, how we're following things, why we're doing what we're doing. Do we really have what he said we have? Notice this in, in verse 39 of John 5. <clears throat> Notice he said, For you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. See, these guys thought they had it. They thought they were right. And he was talking to them and said, you search the Scriptures. He said, for, notice he said, you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they, meaning these Scriptures, which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have eternal life. What happened was, they had their own viewpoint, they had their own way about things, and so they just said, hey... We got life. We're in good standing. We're at the right place. But Jesus said, search the scriptures yourself, for in them they're talking about me, and I am the way of eternal life, and you're not coming to me, and the scriptures are directing you to me, and you think you're okay, and you're not. So what was he saying? He was talking about a superior knowledge. Now, these were religious people. But they knew some of the scriptures, but he said, you need to make a personal examination of them for yourself. Why would you want to do that? To make sure that you're following the right way. Because in them, they testify of this eternal life. They talk about the right way. And what's interesting, they thought they had it, but they didn't have it. And he told them how they could know the right way and what they needed to do. Notice how it's written there. He said in them or in these scriptures, he talks about how they testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life or eternal life. What I find interesting is they reveal something. They give us a direction to go so that we might obtain. They didn't know the direction to go because, and they were religious people, but they had not searched the scriptures properly, or they would have found out they were talking about Jesus, that he was the Savior. And so he said, search him. You prove it for yourself. They will direct you to me so you can come to me and have what you are actually thinking you have or that you need. That's huge for us in this day. 
Think about Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness. What was it that helped him to overcome? He said, it is written. Many times when people were challenging him, he would say, you know, the scripture says this. You know, one time they tried to trick him. And they said, you know, this woman, she got married and had a husband. He passed away. It happened five times. None of them had kids. Who will she be married to in heaven? Jesus said two major things there. He said, you do err, means you're going into error, because you do not know the Scriptures. You know, have you ever heard somebody say this? Well, I just don't want to know, because if you know, you're responsible. You're responsible whether you know or not. Just don't tell me what the speed limit is, because I just don't want to know, because if you don't know, you're not responsible. Try that when you get pulled over. (laughs) And so he makes a statement, you do err, or you've gotten yourself into error, because you do not know the scriptures, or God's power. It's not just a matter of knowing the Scriptures, but it is about knowing God and knowing His power, too. But we can't even properly know God unless we know the Scriptures. How many opinions are there about God right now? And what He does or what He won't do or what He has purchased or has not purchased and God loves everybody and then that's all there's said? That is a true statement. But just because he loves everybody doesn't mean everybody ends up in heaven. Or Jesus would have said, don't worry about it, guys. You think, you know, you got life, but the scriptures are talking about me, not about these rules and this law and these sacrifices and everything. Don't even worry about it. Everybody goes because God loves everybody. No. He said, search, it will help you to come to the knowledge of the truth so you can properly come to me and get the life you've been looking for. Interesting statements and how he puts an emphasis on Scripture. Jesus did that. When he was, you know, 12, he was reasoning with the people out of the Scriptures. But when he first started his ministry... It's interesting, what he asked them to do, he did himself. When he first started his ministry, he went into the temple. He had been anointed by the Spirit of God. God's power was on him. He was handed the book of Isaiah, you know, from the Old Testament or a scroll from it. And he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, which it's written again in Luke 4, him describing it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And it's interesting, he talks about what he would do with his life and ministry. And he said, this scripture is, this scripture, this scripture, this scripture, this scripture, he said, this scripture what did he just get done saying? He said, 
I am this person that the Scripture is describing. I do these things that the Scripture is describing. This is how I conduct my life. This is how I live my life. It's fulfilled in your ears. I'm this man. He found the place where it was written. It didn't just say, here you go. It's your turn. You read chapter 1. Remember when they did that in school? I don't know if they still do that. You know, in my school, you know, you're in social studies there. You read chapter 1, 2, 3. And then I would be like, man, it was a horrible learning experience for me because I was a horrible reader then. So I'd be like, okay, are they going to go down and turn this way and do an S? Are they going to go and then start back here? Because I'm like, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. So I'd go 1, chapter 2, chapter, go read down 10. There's number 10. I'd read it over and over so I could read something that sounded not like third grade in high school. But the fact of the matter is we need to individually search scriptures. He found the place that was written about him. What about me? What about us? Have we ever searched the Scriptures to see what they say about us? What God's viewpoint is about you? If we search the Scriptures to find out what the Bible said about Jesus so we can get a true assessment, what about what He's purchased, paid for, bought, and got for you? And he told them, you think you're getting it, but you're not. Here's how you do it. You search the scriptures for yourself. It's not so you can be legalistic. It's not so you can argue with everybody. It's so you can know somebody, meaning God, know who you are and know how to conduct yourself. Then when the enemy comes, you're able to say no when he tries to erode your foundation Take away from who you are. Take away from who God says you are. That's what happened with Jesus, and he said the Scripture says this. That's why it's so important to know the Scripture. If we're going to walk in God's ways, this is crucial. Turn with me, if you will, to Acts 17. Acts, the 17th chapter. This is Paul uh, here and how he conducted and lived his life. Now, Luke wrote this, but it says this in Acts 17, 2. said, then, I'll let you turn there, Acts 17, verse 2. Then Paul, as his custom, as what, I'm sorry. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them And for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures. Now, where did he go? He had gone into the synagogue, and he went in because that's where they would read the Scriptures. And he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. He took the Scriptures and showed them something. Notice what it says in verse 3. Explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer, rise again from the dead, saying, this is what he said, that this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. He took the scriptures 
And with these religious people, he, re he reasoned with them. So he had to know the Scripture is pretty good to go through and explain to them, this is what his life was about. This is how he lived. This is why he died. He did die. He did rise again. He was explaining that the Christ, because see, they had a wrong view. A lot of the Jews, including some of his disciples, thought when the Savior comes or the Messiah comes, he will set up rule on the earth immediately. Even when he was raised up into heaven, the disciples said, are you going to set up your kingdom right now? Is this the time that it's going to happen? Is this when it's going to go, to, going to go down? And he says, it's not for you to know the time, but it's not happening now. He told him, you're going to need to go do this and preach the gospel. And we live in that time. And he went on to heaven. But we do know from Scripture that one day he will come back. Before he comes back, there will be an antichrist. And, and, and many of the people will receive him because he'll just show up on the scene. That's why the Bible says, don't believe if anybody says I'm it, I will come back in the clouds of heaven or in the glory of God and descend. He told us that in Scripture to keep us online and intact and in the right way. But the fact of the matter is, Paul reasoned with them and said, this is Jesus that the Scripture talks about. He had to die. He had to rise again because those religious people were thinking, well, he's not it because this man you know, died, rose again, and he's gone. This can't be him. But he showed them from the Scripture probably from Isaiah 53, where they took and, you know, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. Maybe he went through the Psalms where it talks about, they pierced my hands and my feet. And through the different ones where, you know, when he was died and suffered on a tree or on a cross. And he, I'm sure he took them through those scriptures and said, see, he had to die. He had to rise again. He wasn't just going to show up and go, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Savior. See, they didn't have a real good understanding of the Scriptures, and that's why he even said to them, search the Scriptures and see in them they talk about me. You can have these things, but you've got to approach through these truths that are set forth in the Word of God. Paul did this, explaining, demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer Rise again from the dead, saying, This Jesus whom I preach or proclaim to you is the Christ. And verse 4 said, And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. So they accepted what was in the Scripture. They accepted what was written. And when they accepted what was written, they followed it. Guess what they got? Eternal life. They started beginning to walk in the fullness of what God had for them. But we need to understand, even if we're going to walk in the fullness of what God has for us and we're determined to do it, we have to stay with the Scriptures. We have to stay with the Word. Because otherwise, our viewpoint of God can be twisted, and we can get our own viewpoint. You with me? 
Because what makes my opinion better than your opinion? What makes my idea better than your idea? Jesus didn't just say, listen to me. You guys better follow me. I'm the son of God. He said, search the scriptures. You'll find out they're talking of me. He even told him one time, he said, you can discern the skies, you can discern the seasons, but you're not even recognizing the time of your visitation. I'm right here. Because they had looked at all these natural things and they had learned certain things, but he drove them back to the scriptures. He lived his life going back to the scriptures. He reasoned out of the scriptures. He stood his ground by the scriptures. You with me? Notice this in the 18th chapter of the book of Acts, verse 24. It says, now a certain Jew, because it should be just the next chapter if you haven't changed. You know, you're like, it wasn't 17, but I found another verse over here. Go to 18, verse 24. It says, now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, or in Alexandria, an eloquent man. Look at these words. You know, have you ever talked to somebody who just can really speak and has got a vocabulary? I can talk, but I don't have an expanded vocabulary. It's almost like you hear the words, and they're like big words, but they even make sense. Without a definition, you're like, it just fits. I don't know what that word, I, but I know what it means. And they're just, you ever met somebody like that? You're like, whoa. Well, he was an eloquent man. I mean, he was put together. And he was mighty in the scriptures. And he came to Ephesus. So if we just stop right there, we could go, man, this Apollos guy is, is just the business. Now, don't keep reading. Stop it. <laughs> I'm reading. No, quit. I'm talking to you. I already know the rest. Well, all right. But the fact is, he was eloquent, and he was mighty in the Scriptures. Think about that. He was mighty in the Scriptures. Then I guess that's it, right? This man, verse 25 had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. So he had some knowledge and he had some zeal and some fire for God. He spoke and taught accurately. Well, that's a good word. Right? Didn't the Bible say, study to show yourself approved unto God? I cannot approve you before God in the area of scriptures. I can give you truths that may help form ways of thinking or ways to look at them but and, you know, build you up, so to speak. But there is a place where we have to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, the Bible said, rightly dividing the word of truth. Why would he make such a statement of rightly dividing unless it can be wrongly divided? Anybody ever bought a slice of pizza from a pizza place? Or you can just buy one and they cut it up. Anybody ever done that? Just gone in to get one slice? You ever think, uh, get that slice right there? 
because they're not the one eating it. It's like they don't care how they divide it up. And they're just like, and then there's that big fat one over there, and then there's that little skinny one right there, and you're like, I want the bang for my buck. Some of us are bold enough to say, I want that one. Others are just like, please, 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 please. Oh, missed it by that much. And, and, and it's because it's not evenly divided or divided on our terms. We're okay if we get the big one. But he said, rightly dividing the word of truth. Be careful you don't chop big pieces where it pleases you. Narrow up areas where it doesn't fit you real good. The scriptures are not set to please me. They were set so I could please God and follow him appropriately. And so don't try to cut scriptures to prove your point. Let the Scripture shape your point. I don't, the way I prepare and stuff like that is I don't just go get Scriptures to prove a point. I know people don't always like this idea, but I would rather have Scriptures that shape my view than I've heard something wrong and therefore I just can't find a bunch of Scriptures to reinforce that. Anybody ever been there before? If you've been around long and you're not careful, you can do that. You can find scriptures to back your way up. You out there? Instead of just looking at the scriptures in their total and seeing what they say, what covenant it's under, and who's talking to who. When you have a good foundation set, Sure, we find other scriptures that reinforce our belief. I'm not saying don't do that, but sometimes people have ideas, and so they have an idea, so they just find scriptures to try and force that idea to become, eh. Well, that wasn't as exciting as the last part, so we'll just keep moving on. (laughs) Acts 18, it says... In the 25th verse, it says, This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. So he just wasn't instructed. He was zealous for God. He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord. But notice this right here. Though he knew only the baptism of John. See, John's baptism was a baptism waiting for the coming Messiah waiting for the Savior to come. It's not a New Testament baptism anymore. They were baptizing, waiting for Jesus. So he was accurately teaching only to a certain place. Was he a bad man? No, he was an eloquent man. did, Did he not love God? No, he did. Did he not know scriptures? He did. He just did only knew to a certain point. He didn't knock him and say, this guy... No, he was actually quite, as we'll read, was very knowledgeable of the Scriptures. He just hadn't been properly taught out of them. And so it says, he knew only to John's baptism, and it was a 
baptism of repentance, waiting for the Messiah, waiting for Jesus to come. Read the Bible. And what had happened was Jesus now has long been here. Matter of fact, it's interesting how some of this carried on. Acts 19 talks about it too. When Paul went and he went to Ephesus for the first time and he had found some disciples there and he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? You know, when you read verse 4 and 5, they said, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. He said, then what then were you baptized into? Now, if you follow Jesus' instructions to be baptized in the name of, or in the authority in the name of the Father and the Son and the, and the Holy Spirit, you would have heard unless you were dunked in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and you were underwater and he pulled you up. And said, I didn't hear about the Holy Spirit. That would have been the only way. But he said, so he said, what then were you baptized in? He said, John's baptism. Then Paul gives a description of John's baptism and describes its use and that it's not a today baptism. But we still baptize, but we baptize a different way. They were waiting for him to come. We now live in the new covenant. And so here... He only knew a certain way, but he was eloquent in Scripture. He knew things, but he only went so far. We need to understand, we don't want to go out of bounds and go some crazy place, but we do want to know what the Scriptures say. And it says in verse uh, 26, it says, So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla, this husband and wife team who are mentioned, heard him, they took him aside after they screamed at him in the, in, in the public place, said, dude, what are you doing, you idiot? You shouldn't be preaching like that. That's false. That's not right. Isn't it nice to have little bits of wisdom that are in the Bible? It said, and when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they were gracious people, I'm sure, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. He was accurate. You know, hey, marksmen can be accurate, but can they be more accurate? Can you hit a target like this, you know, with a missile? You know, World War II, man, we were blowing everything up. Now we, then we had missiles that could hit targets within a certain range. Now we can fly them through a window. They were accurate. They're more accurate. He was accurate, but he became more accurate. I said, he was accurate, but he became more accurate. It's interesting that they took him aside privately to share this with him. You know, it's interesting when Paul got a revelation... In Galatians 1, he went up to the church in, in the first chapter at the end and then the beginning of the second chapter. It said he went up privately to those who were rep of reputation in the church lest he had preached and strived in vain. So he went up and shared what he had gotten and what he had been preaching. They confirmed it as so and right. 
He said he did it so that he would not have run in vain and labored in vain. It's interesting some of the statements he even makes there in Galatians. If you read it on your own, we're not, I don't believe we'll go there. I wasn't planning on going there like this. But it's interesting, he said, those who were somebody, and he talked about, they were pillars in the church. He said, they added nothing to me. Some people won't go to some people because they think, well, I'm just not really getting something from them. Paul didn't say, well, I'm not going to you because I've got this revelation and I'm not. I didn't. He said, they added nothing to me. But he still checked his doctrine with them. He said, otherwise, I would have labored in vain and gone about in vain. And, and think about all the work he would have done if it was off base and not accurate to the Scriptures. He could have told people stuff that went sideways and really goofed up a whole bunch of people. But it's interesting to me, the ones that walked with the Lord Himself in the earth approved what He said. I like that because we have so much written about him and, and from him in the New Testament. Not only that, Peter endorses it, who was one of the pillars in the church at the end of one of his writings. He endorses what Paul said. But I like the fact that they allowed him to come privately and talk. I think, you know, just some small elements of that should be in our life too when we correct our kids or do certain things like that. It's sometimes good not just to do it and try and embarrass them in front of their friends and talk to them privately. Wouldn't you appreciate that? You know, you, I mean, this guy is zealous for God. He's been diligent to search the Scriptures and know the Scriptures. He, he knows stuff. He, it didn't say, you're, you're just jacked up. You're so messed up. I mean, I, let's show you where the door is to help you get through. I mean, he was eloquent. He was accurate, but he was only accurate to a degree. So they expanded his accuracy by giving him knowledge. What knowledge did they give him? They had to be through Scripture, because I'll believe it's easy to prove as you read on. Notice this in the very next verse, verse 27. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. So here he's been taught. There are brethren, you know, maybe Priscilla and Aquila and, and or Aquila or they and some others, they wrote these letters and sent them with him so that the brothers who knew them would say, hey, receive and listen to this person. That tells me something right there. You with me? Say, what does that tell you? He had a letter? Yeah, they didn't just listen to everybody. They just didn't open up their arms wide and say, hey, what do you got to say? They were careful, so they wrote a letter and said, receive this person. Hear what he's got to say. Be open to him. Because they knew his character. They knew his ways. They knew where he was at. They knew where he now was. So they sent a letter. That's, that's something maybe we ought to think about. Do, do we know? I, there are very few people I endorse. Matter of fact, truth be told, I've pretty much stopped, other than giving illustrations, 
I've almost stopped using people's names in even most all illustrations. Because I know a while back, God started dealing with me. I'd be preaching, I'd say somebody, certain minister, I'd go, ugh. There is only a couple ministers that are alive that I just would endorse and really go to their meetings. And there's others I'll watch and things like that and videos of things like that, but I'm real careful. You know, when I'm talking, I'm talking prominent people. And it's not that I don't listen and see things and hear things, but I'm very careful. You know, there, there's only really a, probably a couple I endorse. Matter of fact, I've, people who have been here for a little while know when this one minister came to town, I'd endorse him and just say, hey, when they'd ask us, I'd say go. But then what happened was he brought in another minister. So I don't, I endorse him, but I didn't endorse the other one. I just didn't say nothing. I still endorse him, but I'm just careful. They did it because I didn't know the others. And if I don't know them, I'm just not going to endorse them. Doesn't mean the other one's not good. Doesn't mean the other one's not right. You with me? But that being said, they sent letters. You with me? That's not to be paranoid of everybody. Oh, yeah. Oh. But that means, hey, look and see what they have to say and see what's, what, what's right. There's a lot of good people out there. I'm not saying that. It's not like there's two people. No, there are a lot of good people out there. But I just think we need to be aware, alert. And it's interesting to me that they sent letters to receive him so he could have a way in to, so that they could hear. Verse 27, and when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him and when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. They had received this gift that was from God. For, and this is how he helped them, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. That to me is always a big thing when I follow certain ministers. Do they give me the word? And that one minister, he does. There's others that do and that I follow and listen to. But I don't always endorse them. Here's my thing because I want them sometimes to get a little older. Because it's actually a standard in the Bible for that. And the one I'm talking about, I believe will, if he's not already, will probably be, he already is becoming a pillar in the church. But I just think there are ones that God raises up. You know, and there's character and different things like that, and they become skilled in scriptures. But we still always need to go back to the word. And what's interesting to me is how he was shaped and how he refuted and how he helped was through the inspired scriptures. The Bible is our book. He knew accurately to a degree, but only so far. Then he was led more accurately, and then he became a huge help. Well, how was he supporting the believers? By giving a good, rounded truth, so to speak, of the Scriptures, accurately setting truth forth. Notice this in 2 Timothy, and we'll close right here. 2 Timothy. 
And you understand, I, 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 uh, there's a lot of people probably that, that could be endorsed. I just don't know them. That's the whole thing. That doesn't mean you don't know them. It doesn't mean they're not good. It's just that, that I don't know them. But notice this in, in 2 Timothy 3. I'm in 1 Timothy. But how many of you know this? No matter who is who, they do not become our Lord and our Savior. They become a ministry gift that's got an endowment from God. They help us in our walk with God. I think a good spiritual leader is not trying to be manipulative. And I look at that kind of stuff. Not, not trying to just force people, but some, they, not that they don't say, hey, that's wrong. This isn't right. But there's just elements to a good, sound leader. And, and it's important that we recognize that Scripture is vital. There was a very public, well-known minister recently who has changed their views on a certain subject that's becoming popular in society. And he said, well, my wife had such an influence to help me to see this new way of thinking and this and stuff. And I thought, he has totally come away from Scripture to go there. I thought, how sad that the woman that sleeps in bed with you has slowly over time fed you something that has eroded and you didn't confront that and say, no, we're sticking with the scriptures and just slowly eroded it until they've gone to an area that's very errant, extremely errant. It's actually one of the signs that will appear before the second coming of the Lord and become prevalent. And I thought, wow, no. And I thought, how important it is for a good wife and a good husband who, who will stay with the Scriptures and stay with the Word of God regardless. I said, thought, how sad. This person's internationally known. Notice this verse 16 of 2 Timothy. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. In other words, God breathed it, God inspired it, and it's profitable. What's it profitable for? Doctrine, the structure of our belief for reproof, to change a course of action, for correction, for instruction in righteousness or right living or living before God and with God, that the man of God may be complete, whole, God doesn't want you broken in spirit. He wants you whole. He doesn't want you broken. He wants you fixed. He wants you strong, complete, thoroughly equipped. You ever gone somewhere and thought, man, I should have brought this. I knew I was going to need it. You weren't equipped. The Word will thoroughly equip you for every situation and every circumstance of life. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now remember this. We're gonna I told you we're going to finish with these verses. 
Remember, he said, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Chapter and verse was added later for reference sake so we could say, turn here. And you wouldn't hear pages like, you know, for 15 minutes where people are like, now where is he at? You know, and then I'm like, I'm already past it. We're already over here now. Notice this, verse 1. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, meaning with the word. Rebuke, exhort, with all longsuffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables, falsehoods. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, tests, and trials. Do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry." All he basically was saying there was stick with the Word of God. Don't just try to get something that you go, oh, but I don't want to say that wrong because there is an element of going and feeding on certain truths. But sometimes people don't like certain things and the Scriptures are playing on them and they say, no, go into this. That is dangerous. No matter if we go find somebody to preach and we hear them preach, we should see what does this say? Is this, you know, just don't bite everything the first time you hear it. Now, it doesn't sit there and go, oh, I'm going to be critical of him. But you should go, hey, that is clear. You know, I'm not just totally twisting it, you know. Really, what he's trying to say is that the scriptures are good. But because society has changed, so God will be merciful to us. No, that's not what he's trying to say. He said what he meant. He meant what he said. He put it in the Word. He inspired it back then. It's just as good today. And when he comes back, he's not going to judge us Latter-day people different than the early bunch because, you know, it was a lot tougher then. No. We have the ability of God with us and in us. The author of the scriptures will help you. 